G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision. Well, if you have been listening into mainstream media in Western Australia, politically, it's been fairly quiet in WA. So some focus today back on to WA, where there are some very significant issues that seem to have crept in under the radar. They're on the political agenda, and as a Christian, you'd be very interested to see what the outcomes actually have been. Peter Abetz is the Western Australia State Director for the Australian Christian Lobby, joining us back again today. Peter, welcome back to 2020. Good to be with you, Neil, and uh, good day, listeners. Uh, Peter, let's talk about the Abortion Legislation Amendment Bill 2023. It passed just recently, and now that the law is in, what does it mean for residents in Western Australia? Well, if you um, listen to the spin of the government, uh, they pat themselves on the back that they've taken it out of the criminal code which really is not going to make any difference to anyone because nobody's been charged with any offence under the abortion legislation under the criminal code for over 25 years. Uh, And the other thing they've been saying is that it's made uh, abortion access so much easier for women throughout Western Australia. But in actual fact, it hasn't really made any difference to availability. The only thing it's actually done is it's removed any kind of checks or balances that were in the original 1998 legislation. And about the claim that it's brought WA just into line with the other states, uh, which have already had very severe abortion laws, how do you see that? Well, it was interesting because the West Australian legislation now is, I would would argue, it's the most uh, liberal Um, abortion law probably in the world and certainly in Australia um, like four of the amendments that uh, two of the pro-life MPs tried to get into the legislation were taken straight out of the uh, South Australian Termination of Pregnancy Act 2021 so by rejecting those amendments the Labor government has actually put itself out of step with the other states, even though they claimed that uh, they were modernising the legislation to bring us into line with the other states. So uh, there's been a lot of spin around this legislation. You know, I can remember over the years uh, when Victoria began to lead the way with abortion laws, we were saying they were the worst abortion laws in the world. And then other states like Queensland and uh, the ACT and uh, South Australia and then WA, what you're saying, and listeners might be interested in that, now that now that these laws have passed in WA, you're saying these are the most liberal abortion laws in the world. Uh, that's a, It's pretty yeah. dramatic, isn't it? Yeah, well, basically uh, what's happened is um, in the legislation that's been replaced, um, you used to need the approval of two doctors before you could have an abortion. Now a woman can simply ring an abortion clinic, go straight in, have an abortion, uh, no counselling required, 
Um, the doctor who does the abortion, that's it, up to 23 weeks. That's up from 20 weeks. Um, the, um, the government rejected a, a, uh, an amendment which would have banned sex selection abortions. So sex selection abortions are okay in WA now, uh, which is quite mind-boggling. You would have thought all the feminists would have been up in arms about that one. Uh, the babies born alive, uh, which basically to require a medical treatment or if it's a condition not um, uh, compatible with life, palliative care, uh, that was put into the South Australian legislation. The Labor government here rejected that. Uh, so there's no oblig legal obligation for uh, babies uh, born alive after a late-term abortion, even if they're perfectly healthy babies, to be given any medical treatment. Um, the, there's no obligation for doctors to make available to women information about counselling. Uh, and one of the most bizarre things they've put into the legislation is that the chief health officer is barred from collecting information as to the reason why abortions are performed. And I suspect the reason for that is, is that Victoria and Queensland, which allow um, abortion up to birth, um, the uh, some 44% of their abortions actually are done for what they call psychosocial reasons, which basically means the mother's physically healthy and the baby's physically healthy, but they still abort them uh, as late term. Whereas in Western Australia, up to uh, this legislation passed, uh, post 20 weeks, it was very difficult to get approval for uh, an abortion because uh, it had to go before a a panel of uh, had to be approved from uh, by two doctors from a panel of six appointed by the uh, Minister for Health, and that panel basically took the view um, that uh, they only approved uh, abortions for serious uh, malformation uh, or genetic defect type things. So there's only about seventy to eighty uh, late-term abortions in WA per year. Uh, but that will now go up very significantly, as it has done in Victoria and Queensland and other states where they've allowed abortion to birth. You know, this thought of abortion because the baby isn't perfect. Uh, I recall in one northern European country, they were boasting that they had no evidence of children having Down syndrome. Uh, but mm. what's happened in WA appears to be a similar sort of law and uh, this is really challenging for people uh, of those beautiful children who have Down syndrome because it's almost as though there's an attack coming from governments around uh, having uh, different uh, conditions. Uh, any thoughts here because I mean this is one of those things it, uh, it pulls at the heartstrings a little uh, when babies yeah. uh, can be aborted simply because they are suspected of having Down syndrome and this is part of the WA legislation. Well, uh, the, um, the pro-life MPs uh, moved an amendment to uh, basically to not allow abortions to take place simply because of a suspected diagnosis of Down syndrome. The government rejected that. Um, they wouldn't have that. So um, bottom line is uh, it's, it's really discrimination um, uh, against people with Down syndrome because that with Down syndrome, uh, people can live quite a, a fulfilling life. Um, we had uh, uh, people uh, speak at the Rally for Life um, last year uh, on that very issue and you know, the idea that 
just because a person has Down syndrome um, that that makes them worthy of being aborted. Uh, that's just, I, I find that just uh, breathtaking that a society could be so callous um, because, um, yeah, people who have Down syndrome can live a very fulfilling life. And uh, in my congregation, uh, when I was a pastor, I uh, yeah, saw uh, the birth of one uh, and saw her growing up. And she's a delightful young lady. Um, and uh, she lives quite independently. Uh, and, um, yeah, she she has a part-time uh, role. I'm not sure it's part-time or a voluntary role at the hospital, showing people around, uh, helping them find the right rooms where they have to go to and so on. And uh, when we spoke with her about she's now in her mid mid to late twenties, uh, she was she was just flabbergasted that people could think that people with her condition weren't fit for living in, in our society. And I think it sent a very, very poor message. And even uh, the doctors, uh, the peak body, the AMA, uh, they had some requests for amendments and uh, basically just uh, shuffled aside just like everything else. Yeah. Look, the AMA requested two amendments. One was that um, in the bill, they said that uh, for post-20-week abortions, you needed a second doctor to approve it. Um, and the legislation didn't specify that it needed to be a doctor in Western Australia, and nor did it specify that you couldn't doctor shop, so to speak. But uh, basically, the doctor who wants to do the abortion, he can keep ringing around until he finds a doctor who agrees. And if he can't find one in Western Australia, he can even try ringing one in the Eastern States. And if one of them approves, then it's okay to go ahead. So basically, there is no check or balance on late-term abortions going to be in place anymore. Um, and the um, the AMA, what they wanted is that the second doctor who had to approve uh, the abortion should be an obstetrician or gynaecologist uh, because they're saying late-term abortions are actually quite, um, yeah, quite significant procedures and therefore um, the, the specialist expertise should be called upon before agreeing to uh, actually undertake a late-term abortion. But again, the Labor government rejected those amendments and even though it's interesting that the uh, all the parties said they were giving their uh, members a free vote on this issue on on the whole bill uh, there was only two or th three labor people in the upper house that supported any of the amendments at all and um, they basically voted as a block rejecting um, like even the sex selection abortion uh, amendment you would have thought that all the feminists would have agreed to uh, to uh, to such an amendment, but no, only three Labor MPs voted in favour. Interestingly, every other uh, upper house member uh, from the uh, Liberals, Nationals, Independents, Cannabis Party, they all voted uh, to support it. The Greens didn't support it either. Uh, they voted with Labor on this. So it's 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 quite breathtaking, really, that uh, that the government was so if you like, arrogant to totally dismiss the request from the AMA for those amendments. And interestingly, uh, Nick Goyeran told me, uh, he's one of the upper house members, he's the pro-life liberal guy, um, he told me that since McGowan's government won that huge landslide victory a couple of years back, they have not allowed one single amendment to any legislation. 
uh, that's gone through the parliament, which really displays a very arrogant attitude that uh, effectively the upper house, their job is to review the legislation the government puts up and carefully go through it and fine tune it. That process has been thrown out the window. As you say, breathtaking arrogance, and uh, it doesn't look easy to turn the tide. I mean, I know that pro-life groups are doubling down and they're increasing their efforts to get their message out. But even if there's a repeal of uh, these dreadful pieces of legislation, there still needs to be uh, another area that has to develop. Just last week I was talking to one pro-life outfit and they were talking about the need for more pregnancy support centres that help women mm. who have a an unexpected crisis pregnancy. Uh, this is something you've been talking about for a while too. Yeah, look, very much so. I think that if we claim to be pro-life, um, we actually have to be willing to support pregnancy support centres to the extent that any woman who seeks their help can get the help that she needs. And in a sense, what I think should happen is that uh, women should feel so supported who have an unexpected uh, pregnancy and are struggling to whether they think they can cope with with an extra child, etc., that they should feel so supported that an abortion should almost be unthinkable uh, from the perspective that there's no excuse because I don't have the material well-being or the the resources to to look after this child. There should be sufficient support there uh, from the community to uh, enable a woman to carry her child through to full term and uh, hopefully be able to look after and if not to to, um, uh, offer it up for adoption. But generally, I think uh, when women give birth and hold their baby, there is such an enormous tie, a bond, that um, that's the ideal is for a woman to bring up her own child. Uh, Peter, uh, quite a few weeks now have passed uh, since another very controversial bit of legislation in Western Australia, the Aboriginal Heritage Act, and uh, that caused quite a a stir, uh, quite a lot of turmoil, uh, particularly for people in WA. It's been uh, there's been a turnaround now, but how has the dust settled after the challenging issues around that Aboriginal Heritage Act? Well, the Aboriginal Heritage Act that the government introduced it was another case of legislation being brought into Parliament that hadn't really been thought through carefully and not accepting any amendments in the Upper House. It ended up being fatally flawed legislation. One of the provisions in that legislation was that if you own a block of land that's more than 1,100 square metres, you are not allowed to dig more than 10 centimetres deep without getting approval from a registered um, body that uh, could approve uh, and uh, demonstrate um, uh, or give written authority uh, that there is no Aboriginal heritage items in the ground there or in that in that vicinity and therefore give you okay to do that. The interesting thing was that when that legislation came into effect on the 1st of July, there were no organisations set up to, that could actually authorise uh, people to do it. So it basically meant a farmer digging a fence post hole uh, to replace a fence uh, couldn't do it without getting that approval. And it was just it was just totally foolish legislation and there was such an outcry 
that uh, the government initially really knuckled down and said, no, no, we've got to, we've got to stick this, this, this is really good legislation. But in the end, um, uh, yeah, Roger Cook, um, the new premier who took over from Mark McGowan, uh, pulled the pin on it and they've now said that they will repeal it. It hasn't actually been repealed yet, but it's on the agenda to be repealed by the parliament. So uh, that one is going back uh, it's going back to the old system that we had with a few uh, minor amendments to the old Act, uh, which uh, should prevent uh, the kind of thing that happened uh, um, with Rio Tinto and the you know the caves up in the in the Pilbara a little while back. Uh, no doubt it may be the case too. Uh, all eyes will be on that legislation uh, depending on the outcome of the voice referendum. That might be some impact too. Uh, we'll be keeping an eye on that space for sure. Uh, Peter Abetz, thanks so much for another great update today on 2020. Peter is the Western Australian State Director for the Australian Christian Lobby. The ACL website is acl.org.au, acl.org.au. Peter Abetz, thanks so much for your update today on 2020. Good to be with you, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.